from the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Hit it. Record it. <laughs> Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. My name is Mark Ripito, and it's Friday. And this Friday, it's just me and you. No crowds, no other people in the way of our little intimate time together here on Friday. Some of you are intimately spending time with me shortly after midnight. Friday. Some of you have waited until we posted it on startingstrength.com on Friday at noon. But whatever the situation, it's just me and you today. <laughs> so, you know, I've got all kinds of stuff to talk about here. Unfortunately, it's going to be a very long time before the COVID-19 situation can be excluded from our discussion since it's the most significant event in world history. <laughs> the first time the entire economy of the world has shut itself down voluntarily and there are, you know, it's just, we just can't fail to talk about that because it colors everything we do. Um, even our training. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about how you get back to training in this, uh, cesspool of insanity that we're in being forced to inhabit right now. But first, and you know what I'm going to do. Comments, Comments from, from uh, the haters. And boy, they're good this week. As you might imagine, they're really good. All of them are some version of Rip's stupid. Rip doesn't know about COVID-19, so he should just talk about training. Now, imagine if you were to apply that same rule to your friend, the plumber. Your buddy who's a plumber wasn't allowed to talk about anything except plumbing. Now, how long do you think you'd be friends with him? Shut up, man. You're just a plumber. You don't know anything about the NFL. Shut up. Let's talk about pipes, elbows, and solder, and PVC. You don't know anything about anything else, so shut up. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, shit. Poor you. <laughs> All right. Here's the favorite one. Uh, my favorite one this time. Uh is let me find this. Uh, here's one that says, dumbasses. This <laughs> is dumbasses. Oh, shit. Oh, here it is. Rip really needs to cut down on back and forth with the guys behind the camera. You didn't know that one was in here, did you? Uh, speak up, please. Speak up. I, I did not know. You didn't know? No. He wants me to cut down on what I'm doing right now, right? It's too bad Rusty's not here. It's too bad Rusty's not here so that there's another person to go back and forth with on the camera. Right 
It's just you and Bree. Right, Bree? Right. Right? Right, Bree? Right. You there? Bree's here. All right. They're talking over the show, for fuck's sake. Especially me. They're, oh, get this. Their lispy homosexual voices are ruining the experience provided by Rip's mellifluous baritone. It's hard to argue with that, right? He's talking about Rusty, right? You think Rusty sounds like a homosexual? Well, he sounds like a low T guy for sure. Low T for sure, but most people do, especially when compared to me, my mellifluous baritone. So, oh God, look, there's foam all over the table. You're foaming at the mouth. It's, it's so going to, it'll be worse before it's over. Uh, oh God. So there's that one. That's great. It is already blatantly obvious that you aren't concerned with looks, Mark. Jason Schultz offers that sage observation. You know, Jason, when you're hung like I am, it doesn't matter what you look like. You, you didn't know that already? Oh, my God. All right. Every time you walk outside, I like this one. This is a great one. Every time you walk outside, you're killing one of my grandparents, you sick bastards. Stay inside indefinitely until Bill Gates saves us. Stop being selfish. <laughs> Here's a man after my own heart. Oh, shit. Rip's stage name wasn't Barbell Billy. It was Bar Bill Belly. Later changed to Beer Belly Bob. That's about halfway clever, right? I like the, I like the part about Rusty, though. That was, that was real good. So, let's, here, here's the, now these are the comments from the haters about the uh, the fact that uh, I should only talk about plumbing or something. Some Dunning Kruger at play in this podcast, and they're talking about the the panel with Steph and Andrew. Some Dunning Kruger at play in this podcast. These hicks are delusional. These Dr. hicks. Bradford. Dr. Bradford, who has a Ph.D. in pharmacology from Duke University, and Dr. Andrew Mueller, who is both a dentist and a physician at the age of 33 or whatever, 22 or whatever the hell he is. He's a kid, right? Yeah, these guys are stupid. These are stupid people. These are deeply stupid people who are not entitled to an opinion about anything. And then Rip, who's a plumber, right? <laughs> These hicks are delusional. <laughs> oh, God damn. Oh, it's just, there's just one after the other. It's so depressing to know that the, the bottom 3% is actually really, in fact, the bottom 1% that are commenting here. 3% is a gross compliment to these goddamn idiots. Oh, that's probably enough of this shit. I could read this big long one here. You might read that where it talks about Brie at the end of it. Do you want me to read? I mean, why not? You know, why not? It's pertinent. Waco's on Netflix. Waco? 
Yeah, hell, everything's this. This is a this is a really a pretty damn good. Somebody spent a lot of time on this. F.S. Mura, Smura, or something like that. Uh, Ripito, the gym is surrounded. Get out with your hands in the air if you still have enough shoulder mobility. Never over my two hundred and fifty pound semi fat bison like muscular dead body. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Ripito, the gym will stripped clean. Sick. And repurposed as a TikTok nurse studio. These heroes need every resource we can muster. You bastards mean steal. Right, steal the gym, I guess. Give up. We have a masked thugs special unit. Team ready to go in and kick your ass. Some are even Waco and Ruby Ridge veterans. <laughs> These guys are seriously trigger happy. I can't hold them for much longer. Ah, uh, if you have any kids with you, kindly hold them in your arms, please. <laughs> it's really thick, man. Uh, come here and say that to belt-fed Boogaloo Bertha. Belt-fed Boogaloo Bertha. Do you think he's talking about our little girlfriend, Bree, here? Who else would he be talking about? I think he's talking about the, the belt-fed machine gun you keep in the gym. Oh, 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 he's talking about the weapon. He wasn't talking about... Oh, is, about so Boogaloo Bertha is a nickname for, for something like 30 caliber, caliber for the 50 caliber. Okay. All right. I, God, Bree, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to... Jump ahead we here. Boogaloo Bertha. We could do, we could do that. That makes her sound like That's a bad awesome. motherfucker, doesn't it? Okay. Last chance, Ripito. Every minute from now on, without you surrendering, is one more trap bar we'll buy and put in your former gym. <laughs> and I, of course, reply, bought me. B a h t e. Because that's how I talk, you know. That's how I talk all the time. Bought, <laughs> bought me, motherfucker. Get bit. <laughs> all right, Ripito. The feds are setting the incendiary devices up. We're gonna burn the place to the ground. Please send the Bree cutie out before we do. Don't want those magnificent thighs burned into a pile of ash. There's the Bree comment. All that just to make a brie. Comment. All that just to get the brie. Right. Okay. And that's comments from the heaters here on Starting Strength Radio. Now, here, let's sell some shit. You want to? Look at these posters we've prepared. Here's a set of posters for all of the lifts. There's the squat, bench press, pyre clean, net lift, and press. See these? All five lifts. These will soon be available in, uh, what'd you say, 18 by 24? 18 by 24 posters. 
purchase them individually or as a set. Cheaper as a set. How long do you think it'll be before we have these ready? A couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Okay. A couple of weeks. And here's a another set of the brilliant pithy aphorisms. Uh, rip a toe. Right? You've seen all these. Strong people, humans, hard physical effort, physical strength, most important thing in life, all that shit. You know, things from the books, things off of the uh, off the forums. Where'd the rest of that? Most of that stuff come from uh, the stuff in uh, Strong Enough. Strong Enough, yeah. I believe. That's where most of that came from, from Strong Enough. And uh, if you don't have Strong Enough, you ought to get Strong Enough, too. Strong Enough is now available as an audio book. I read it, so you'd be listening to me rant and rave. Uh, let's do it in your car. Listen to it while you're locked in your house, cowering under your kitchen table like a good boy and girl. Take a little, take headphones down there under the kitchen table, cower in fear, listen to me. Right? So, uh, that'll be ready soon. Those will be available for a damned reasonable price, and you should consider buying those. All right? Anything else I need to sell? What do we got? What else we got for sale? Sales, like everything else, have been down. Uh, you know, but I, that's true of everybody's business. You know, this thing is do what now? We got t-shirts, seminars, t-shirts, seminars, books. Uh, books are for sale. We got books, right? We still got books. Uh, the June seminar, 26, 27, 28th, here in Wichita Falls, will not be canceled. We will be here conducting the seminar. If you'd like to have something refreshing to do that kind of reminds you of how things used to operate, you know, in, in previous history, but even here in New America, we will be having our seminar here at Wichita Falls. June 26th, 27th, and 28th. You can sign up for that online right now. As of today, how many spots we got left on this? Did you see what was happening today? As of yesterday, there were 10 sold, and we can go to 30. So I doubt this will sell out because most people are fearful. Most we people. can sell out the self-sufficient lifter, though. Oh, that camp sold out. Good, good. We, one in we uh, now that that's an interesting product. We've just came up, we've just come up with that just to kind of have something to do. Uh, that will be a one day event, and the emphasis uh, in in that event will be to teach you how to do this stuff by yourself at home, how to coach yourself on it, what how to set up your video review what to look for in the videos, how to position these things so that you get the best, the best picture of what's going on. Uh, we're going to talk to you in terms of 
uh, how to remember the things we're going to coach you to do that day. This is not a coaching seminar. This is not a this is not something that we're doing for the development of you as a coach. This is something we're we're going to put together that's going to emphasize the development of you as a lifter trying to train by yourself at home. And uh, this is the first time we've done this. It'll be a long day. But we'll get it done, and there'll be some time for Q&A at the end of it, that sort of thing. But this is this is not a seminar. This is not a starting strength seminar. It's not going to have any of the material. A starting strength seminar is half lecture, and this will this will be under the bar just the whole time with, with just a minimal amount of uh, verbal preamble. So you keep that in mind as something to go do. All right. Now, uh, what I want to talk about today basically is, uh, when all of this shit settles down a little bit and you can finally go back to training, what are we going to do? What's the best way to get back to training? And, uh, there's some stuff that that we're going to discuss about that that uh, you you probably already know. You certainly should already know because we've been talking about it for a very very long time. What to do after an extended layoff? Okay, but um, I just I can't resist this. I can't resist this. A buddy of mine came up with a with a document here. That's what it looks like. Uh, how he got it is I'm not at liberty to say. But this is a photograph of a, a document that was uh, discovered at the little hospital in Wichita Falls here, our 11th Street campus. And it is a table that summarizes the predictions of the model these morons were using for uh, what would happen uh, during the COVID-19 crisis here in our little 131,000 head count county here in Wichita Falls in the area. We've got one big hospital here. It's a little hospital, but for us it's big. And we've got another hospital out on the end of Kell. I think that thing's still closed. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's still closed. The hospital is, has been decimated by this because they've had no business whatsoever. The place is empty. It's like the, the census is what they call the head count at the hospital. The census is down about 80% because of this Right here. This is why the census is down 80% because they closed the rest of the hospital in anticipation that this was correct. <laughs> so what this is is an extrapolation of some data that they had using a model that was, shall we say, flawed. And this is... This is reflective of what has taken place 
over the whole entire world. Everybody thought that, oh, I don't know, to say the sky is falling understates the situation so badly. Uh, but let me, let me just go to here. Let's cut to the chase here. This table stops at uh, the 4th of May. All right. And the title is Wichita Falls Conservative COVID-19 Prediction. All right. And there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven columns here. And the first column is percent of positive cases in Wichita Falls. Low number expected to need hospitalization. 15% of all infected. That's the low number. The high number is 20% of all infected, expected to need hospitalization. Number expected to need critical care, which is at 5% of those. And number of predicted deaths, 1% mortality. <laughs> of the total number of cases, 1% of them were going to die, right? The number of deaths due to the lack of critical care access after maximum capacity which would be 4%, and the total mortality, uh, that's mortality rate deaths due to lack of critical care access, the overwhelming of the health care system, the overwhelming of the health care system, all right? Now, what actually has happened is the hospital's empty. There's not a COVID-19 case in the ICU, hasn't been for a couple of weeks. What's actually happened is, is very interesting. Uh, in Wichita County, to date, there have been 82 confirmed cases of COVID-19. 82. There have been two confirmed deaths from COVID-19. Two. Okay, so May 4th, by now, almost two weeks ago, The prediction was number of positive cases in Wichita Falls, 12,248 versus actual case count of 82. Now, how many orders of magnitude is that, Nick? Three three orders of magnitude an error of three orders of magnitude can hardly even be called an error <laughs> that's not even an error anymore right yeah. low number expected to need hospitalization low number was 1837 <laughs> ladies and gentlemen this hospital is in financial trouble, in serious financial trouble, as is every hospital in the United States except the ones in New York City. They're in serious financial trouble because they believed this bullshit. Okay? Current hospitalization zero. Current hospitalization for COVID in Wichita County is zero number of people. And if I remember, the most ever was six. Six was the highest number at any one time with COVID-19. Right. No, I think that's probably about right. We have people in the gym that work down there. 
and they've told us the whole time what's been going on. And the whole time what's been going on is this was the prediction. And none of it was even remotely correct. The high number expected to need hospitalization as of 4th of May was predicted to be 2,450 people. 2,450 in the hope that the greatest number of people that were ever hospitalized in that location was six. Six versus 2,450. All right. The number expected to need critical care was 617 as of May the 4th. There is no one in the ICU with COVID, and there hasn't been for a couple of weeks. Not one single person versus 600, it's 612, I'm sorry, 612. The number of predicted deaths. Now, this is the most interesting thing here. We get into the deaths. Number of predicted deaths, total mortality, 1%, 122. And there have been two deaths. Two deaths. The number of deaths due to a lack of critical care access after maximum capacity was supposed to be 490. That situation never occurred. Well, you can hear it. It didn't even get. Look, you can I, hear it right now. What what happened? Oh, here, yeah, we're going to talk here. about. We're going to talk about this. Because this this has to be discussed because it's it's already being discussed and it's it's such an obvious logical flaw that or see all right total mortality uh, deaths due to lack of critical care access uh, total deaths due to lack of critical care access was supposed to be six hundred and seventeen. Not only was there no critical care access lack thereof because the hospital was never had more than six people in it because of COVID. Uh, I mean, this is, this is such wild, insane, raving lunacy that I, you know, how could you have printed this? I mean, this is this is bizarre. All right, so what is at Nick's point was uh, very very important. What all all of you people that that think that we're crazy are saying is, well, you know, the the lockdown obviously worked, and that's why those numbers are wrong. Do you really believe that this thing was generated? under the assumption that we would not be locked down? Do you really honestly believe, since that was the first thing anybody said we were going to do, is be locked down, do you think that they would have generated a prediction model like this based on the absence of a lockdown? Have you lost your mind? This thing was obviously concocted, thinking that we were going to be locked down. Obviously, that's what they were thinking. Now, remember... The population of Wichita County is 131,800 people. 
All right. We've had two deaths that have been diagnosed, that have been attributed, been coded as COVID-19 deaths. And I don't know if that's correct or not because of the bullshit that's gone on with that, and you all are familiar with that. And if you're not familiar with it, you need to get that way because that's a critical situation. There, Believe it or not, there are, there are factions involved in this debacle who are actually interested in having very, very high numbers of COVID-19 deaths. Now, isn't that shocking? And- Isn't that shocking? If that's the data and the science we're going to go by, um, and it doesn't come to be, where is the revision in the government ordinances based on what's actually happened? The the revision in terms of what the government has ordered us to do? because, Because we can say, okay, look, the model said that. That's what the model said. So we acted off of those models. Right. But now here's this new information. But this is what actually happened. What actually Where, happened does not merit any. Right. Where's the revision? Any of the. This might have merited it, although you could probably argue persuasively that it actually did not. That even this did not merit the destruction of the economy of the world. Okay. But now what do you say when it didn't actually happen? No version of it happened. No version of it happened. And what do you want to do? You want to open the restaurants back up Friday? The, 50% at 25%. The bars. Yeah, the bar the restaurants get to go to 50% yeah. capacity, which means which means they're only losing uh a little bit less money than they lost at 25% capacity. And the bars get to open at 25% capacity. Because two people in Wichita County died. And when you when you listen to the city council or the the mayor speak, that's we're, we're listening to the medical professionals. Yes. So so where, what, where's the this is what's actually going on? Where's the medical professional saying this is what's actually going on? You know where the yes where wrong. does the doctor step up and say you know, upon reexamination of the data and having compared that data to our models, we were wildly off. Yeah, we were off, and we're real damn sorry. But it looks more like people were like, oh, shit, this is wrong. Hide right. it. Hide it. Yeah. Now, what they're going to say is that the reason this didn't come to pass, this science fiction thing here didn't come to pass, is because we locked down. We all followed. the. We were good little boys and girls, and we hid under our kitchen tables at home. Except we didn't. Except we didn't. Here in Wichita County, we've been bad little boys and girls. And there was not really one day when at 3 o'clock you could walk over to where you could see Kemp Street and the traffic wasn't absolutely normal. We got an F. We got an F. Now, where did that F come from? This was who rated us an F in terms of social distancing or whatever bullshit term they're using for that? Um, we got an F. This is the social distancing scoreboard. Social distancing scoreboard. And, uh, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, somebody thought we were bad boys and girls. And we were, you know. Uh, we were bad little boys and girls. And I was a very bad boy. I was a bad boy. I'm the one that killed your grandfather. Okay, because I never closed my gym. 
I'm sorry. It wasn't the city of Wichita Falls gym to close. It's my gym to close. And people stopped coming to the gym based on their perception of the risk. That's what adults do. I gave them the opportunity, and a lot of them stayed home. That was my decision, and that was their decision, and that's how this should have been handled. And it should have been handled that way for the restaurants because here's the, here's the problem with that. Your responsibility is to you and your family. And my responsibility is to me and my family and my members. Okay? I'm not responsible for your family. You're responsible for your family. And if you come to the gym and get sick and then go slobber all over your 85-year-old grandmother in the rest home, that's your fault. That's not my fault. It's not my fault that you're stupid. Okay? And as a result of that, and that's just my basic argument here, is that, you know, personal responsibility, that kind of adult, grown-up shit, right? This is what should have taken place all over this economy. Now, had we done it like that, then things would be completely different right now. We would not be having a conversation about the gross domestic product of the United States dropping 25% in a quarter. There's no precedent for that in the history of the world. That's never occurred. Okay. But what everybody is going to say is that the lockdown is why these numbers were wrong. Now, A, we didn't pay attention to lockdown, so that's not why these numbers are wrong. Okay. And most places haven't paid attention to the lockdown. California is having traffic jams. On the same highways, they had traffic jams before. They're not paying any attention to this either, okay? So this lockdown shit, you know, people get tired of that, and they just say, oh, you know, I don't know anybody that's dead of this shit. You know, I, the news media has tried to scare me into into thinking that all kinds of shit is wrong, and it's and, and I'm just not, you know, I'm just tired of this. I need to go, uh, I need to get some apples, you know? So I think I'm going to go to store and get some apples, and... Uh, you know, I'll wear a mask or whatever they want me to do when I walk in the store. I, I got to get out of here. That's what's going on. That's what's ha- That is what has happened. Okay, so that doesn't explain this. All right? But here's the logical flaw. You cannot say that a thing, a, a course of action affected an outcome if that course of action has not been tested. Okay, you don't get to say that, well, the reason the lockdown worked, even though demonstrably it hadn't been followed. You don't get to say that the reason the lockdown worked and the reason these numbers right here are wrong uh, is because the lockdown was in place when the absence of a lockdown has not been tested. Okay, well, as it turns out, the, the, uh, the absence of a lockdown has been tested, and it's been tested in Sweden, and everything's just fine in Sweden. I don't have the numbers, but look, you're sitting in front of your computer. Look the damn things up. They're all fine, and they didn't do a lockdown. All right, so don't sit here and 
play this illogical bullshit about knowing something worked because we did it a certain way when you don't know what would have happened had we done it the other way. That's not logical. All right? It's not good arithmetic. All right? So, uh, Nick, you got anything to add to that? Is that a decent summary of the situation? You don't know about a thing, what a thing's going to do if the, if the experiment hadn't been run. All right? And now we're in a situation and, where politicians being politicians will not roll this shit back. Oh, no, no. They can't roll it back because if they roll it back, then they, then they admit that they're the ones that destroyed the economy. All right? And they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. That's our job. If they let us have elections in the future, and that's a kind of a big if, if they let us have elections, then that's when we get to tell them what we think about it. But they're not going to back off of this. Oh, absolutely not. They can't afford to be wrong. Because if they're wrong, then they have to take responsibility for what's happened to the economy. As long as they can make you afraid, as long as they can convince you that you are alive only because they made you hide in fear under your kitchen table, then they're going to. They, at this point, they have no choice. They have no choice. Uh, politicians are not humans, really. They're not humans. Even the ones we like are not really humans like you and I. They're all, at some level, uh, sociopathic. They'll all say whatever they need to say to get their agenda accomplished. And that's just the way they are. That's the way they've always been. The only guy we've had in charge of this fucking place that wasn't a sociopath was probably George Washington. And that's been a long time ago. That's been a long time ago. But anybody that runs for elective office will say anything they need to say to get in there. I don't know why that is. There are occasionally examples of guys that run for the state legislature, get down there and see, you know, this is all bullshit. And they come home and they don't run for reelection. You know, I mean, actual moral people. But there are not many of those. You know, most of the time they taste a little bit of power. They get people coming to them and asking them for things like they're capable of granting anything. And they just, they just get a taste for that. And, and, uh, if they were at one, at one time, an actual human like you and I, that all goes away. They become a politician instead of a human. And, uh, I'm sorry to have to make you think about things like that, but you really do need to, because it's important this time. You know, we're not talking about Watergate here. We're talking about the way you and I live on a daily basis has just taken a knock to the head. And they're not going to fix it for us. Because them fixing this requires that they admit they did something wrong. And politicians don't do that. It's just not done. It's not done. There are no examples of that having happened. And uh, there, there probably won't ever be. 
we just got to change this crop out for a new crop of sociopaths and just, you know, get used to the idea that these people are not really humans and they need to be changed as often as you change your underwear. If you wear underwear. Right. If there were were term limits, I mean, hard term limits on some of this stuff, you would see a completely different breed of politician. Yes, you would. Obviously, Obviously you would. You wouldn't see Harry Reid or Nancy Pelosi who come into office with a little bit of money and leave billionaires. You would never see that. You You wouldn't see things like that happen. You know, like the local boy, Mac Thornberry, came into into office in the 90s, running on the premise that he was going to be there for two terms and two terms only. And he stayed 24 years. You know, and and granted, most of the time that he was there in Congress as our congressional representative from this district, he was furniture. You know, he rose to the chairmanship of the Armed Services Committee. But how many of you besides us here know the name Mac Thornberry? You don't know who that is, do you? You know, and it, it, that's, that's kind of a good thing. At least he didn't fuck a bunch of stuff up. Okay, but he told you he was going to be there for two terms, and he stayed until he got to be old and decrepit and decided that he needed to rest. He lied. They all do. They all do. He's got more money now than he did when he came in. They all do that, too. So, you know, this is our fault. This is our fault for putting up with this shit. And it's not going to go away till we decide to take responsibility for voting these pieces of shit out of office and getting some new pieces of shit to replace them on a regular basis. Okay? Oh, God almighty, now... Now, how do you start back training? Okay, this is what you do. You're going to start back after any long layoff. And let's assume the layoff has been a couple of months since you've been good boys and girls cowering under the table in fear like you were supposed to do. All right, so two months has gone by and you hadn't trained. So let's say your gym opens back up. may never happen if you're in New York, California. You may never have access to another gym. But let's say you've saved up some money and you've done the smart thing and you've gone to our website and you've bought equipment from Texas Strength Systems, who sells starting strength racks and benches, plate racks, this sort of thing. You've gone to uh, Caps Welding and you've bought a starting strength bar. You've made yourself independent of the gym. Now you just need some plates. Good luck on that. We're helping our friend Grant right now with the plate problem. But let's say you've somehow managed to accumulate some plates and you've got a functional gym in your garage. Your question is, how do I get back to training? Well, you know, let's first talk about this. Some of you just couldn't stand it, and I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. If you, you, you stopped training and you started exercising by that, I mean, 
you just moved around and threw some shit around and swung some kettlebells and messed around with your dumbbells and done a bunch of reps and didn't have a training goal. You just exercised every day. And you're familiar with the definition of exercise. You're familiar with the definition of training. You understand our position on that. In fact, we're the first ones to make that observation that there's actually a difference between exercise and training. And we talked about it for years and years and years. But in the absence of the tools that are necessary to actually train, some of you have opted to do a bunch of air squats and a bunch of high rep AMRAP shit. And what you're going to find, having done that, is that your strength has gone way, way down. In fact, it may very well have gone down more than had you just not done anything at all. Because a hundred air squats is the best way known to make your squat strength go down. Now, that's going to be hard for some of you to accept, but that's the actual truth. The actual truth of the matter is that high rep glycolytic work makes force production go away because it's not necessary to be strong to do 100 air squats. It's merely necessary to not care how you feel on the 99th rep. Okay, and that's a different adaptation completely. So if you've been doing a bunch of reps, you're going to be way more detrained than you think you will be. But that's just the, I'm just telling you, that's what's going to happen. All right, you did a bunch of exercise. Uh, it would be better, this is insane to say this, but it would, if you're, in terms of your strength, it would be better to do nothing for two months than it would be to do 10 minutes worth of kettlebell swings and 100 air squats. You'll be stronger having not done that than you will having done it. So in the case, in either case, let's say you just exercised and done a bunch of high rep shit. Or let's say you've laid around your, on your ass for two months, and now you've got your home gym put back together. Your gym's opened up. The owner of the gym has shown some fucking balls and stood up on his hind legs and said, we're opening, you know, and everybody wants to can come in and train, you know, and unless you're in New Jersey, the cops are probably going to leave you alone. Uh, where did New Jersey get the Gestapo? You have any idea where they? They're all uh, they used I, to work in Manhattan. They did. They all some, the. They got tired of living there. They got tired of living in Manhattan, moved to New Jersey, and started arresting people for exercising in New Jersey. Uh, well, let's say you live in a reasonable place like Texas, all right, where everybody's just leaving us alone, all right, and you decide it's time to get back in the gym to train. What do you do? What do you do? Well, this is what you do. You're going to pretend like it's your first workout. The first time you did your squats, remember what you did that day? You did the empty bar for a couple of sets. And then you went to 75 or 95, depending on how strong you are. And you did a set of five. And then you went to 115 or 135 and did a set of five. And then you might have gone to 175, did a set of five. Let's see how it feels, okay? Let's see how it feels. And let's say that you've been pretty strong. Let's say you had your squat up in the mid-300s for three sets of five across. So the first thing you're going to do that first day is you're going to go back up to probably 225 for three sets of five. 
Now, strength is very persistent, okay? And you are actually capable, even after a two-month layoff, if you've worked up to 365 for three sets of five, you're pretty strong. You could probably actually go up to 315 for three sets of five. But don't do that, <laughs> okay? Don't do that. Because if you do that, you will be so sore that you will not be able to come back in in 48 hours and do the thing again because you're going to be too sore. If I were you and I was squatting 365, I would go up to two and a quarter and do one set of five on the first day. That's all I'd do. I'd do go up, do one set of five, just knock the top off of the scab and leave it alone. Just do one set of five at two and a quarter. All right, now to adjust that number down, let's say you're only doing 225 for three sets of five across. First day back, I think I'd probably go up to 135, maybe 145, maybe 155, and just do one set of five. You're, you're stronger, in other words, you're stronger than you need to display on the first workout back. If you go all the way up to what you can do, you're going to be so tired, you're going to be so sore, and you may hurt something because you're strong enough from having gone through the novice linear progression. You're still strong enough because strength is persistent to show a higher capacity to work that first day back. But I'm telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. Leave a bunch on the bar the first day back. Leave a bunch on the bar. Now, the second workout, 48 hours later, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, okay? Wednesday, you're going to come in, and if you're the 365 for three sets of five guy and you stopped at 225 for one set of five, on the first day, what I would do is I'd come in and do 255 for three sets of five. Having reintroduced your body to the work at 225, admittedly it was light, but you're detrained. You hadn't done this. You'll be sore. 225 is going to make you sore, but not as sore as a maximum expression of effort would have made you. Okay, because remember, the soreness part of, of squatting was gone when you did the last workout that you did at 365 for three sets of five. You weren't sore that day. Having done three... 60 for three sets of five the previous workout, you still didn't get sore because you're adapted to all that eccentric work. Two months have have unadapted you. They've detrained you to the eccentric work. And if you do as much as you can, you're going to be too sore. You're not going to like what happens. This is true of any layoff. A guy that's gotten strong, that's gone through the process of getting strong, is strong enough is stronger from now on than he ever was before he started this. And he always will be. You go through, this is one of the fascinating things about the novice progression. If you go through the process of starting at 135 and working your three sets of five up from 135 to 405, and then you lay off for 10 years, when you come back after a 10 year layoff, you will be stronger that day than you were the first day you started training, even after a 10-year layoff, because things change over time. 
that adding five pounds to your squat three days a week changes. Those changes are permanent. Okay, You'll always be stronger than you were the first day. So when we start back after a layoff, we have to use some restraint because you're capable of hurting yourself and making yourself real, real, real sore. That's not productive because it will interfere with the resumption of the process that should take place three days a week. If you do something stupid on your first day back Monday, it's going to adversely affect Wednesday. So you're going to go you're going to use some restraint on Monday, and then you're going to use a little bit less restraint on Wednesday. And then on Friday, you're going to go to 275 for three sets of five. Now, granted, three, 275 for three sets of five to a guy that was squatting 365 for three sets of five is still kind of light. But you've been off for two months. Use some restraint here. We're going to be back to 365 real soon, as you'll see. So that's Friday. You're at 275 for three sets of five. I'd go, if it was me, I'd go to 295. I'd take 20-pound jumps on this till I was back to 295, to 365. So I'd go 295 the following Monday. I'd go 315 the following Wednesday. I'd go 335 the following Friday. And then the following Monday after that, I'm back at 355. Now, I'm only 10 pounds away from my previous three sets of five work weight. And it's only taken me two weeks. But this is the way to do it productively. This is a smart way to do it. Okay? Coming back that first day, you'll feel really good. Yes. You probably hit 365. You, you could, I mean, you're going to hit it, and you're going to feel really good doing it, and then you're not going to be able to walk for 10 days. You're not going to be able to walk for 10 days. It's going to fuck up the next week and a half worth of training. This is the problem with getting sore. Okay? This is the problem with CrossFit. Everybody that's done it has experienced the same thing. The, the work feels good. That's why we like to do it, right? But the soreness that it produces when you don't think about what you're actually doing interferes with subsequent training. Don't do that, okay? Don't come back and do as much as you can the first day because you think, finally, I'm out of the cage, and here I am able to finally get back under the bar and finally get something accomplished and try to start back where you were. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're fucking up if you do that. Don't do it. Some version of restraint must be exercised for a couple of weeks after that long a layoff. Now, this applies to an eight-month layoff. It applies to a two-year layoff. You know, the longer the layoff, the longer the ramping back up to where you left off is going to take. If you take a 10-year layoff, you're going to still be stronger than you were the first time you trained. Let's say you were at 405 for three sets of five, and you take a 10-year layoff. The first day back, you're going to probably go 135 for three sets of five. And then instead of going to one. 55 or 165, if I were you, I'd be real smart and I'd take a 10 or a 15-pound jump. You can show that kind of improvement, that kind of incremental increase between workouts for quite some time, and I think you probably should. A guy that's taken a 10-year layoff, having stopped with 405 for three sets of five, is going to be back to 405. But if it were me coaching him, I would have him back to 405 in about four to six months. 
instead of trying to do it in four to six weeks. Because a 10-year layoff, things have happened since then. You may have been injured, some uh, change in your disease status or other, other health issues may have come up that, that fundamentally change the game. But let's say a guy that's 25 years old works up to 405 for three sets of five, and he gets to be 35. He can get back to 405 pretty quick. But if you try to do it too fast, you're going to get too sore, and you may injure a knee. You may get something out of position. Uh, form is certainly going to be rusty. It's going to need some coaching. Uh, you, you need to get back to your training. I understand that. But you don't have to get back to your PRs that quick because trying to press on that too hard is, is going to be detrimental to your long-term training. And see, here's the deal. Training is a process. It's years that we're thinking about. It's not today's workout. That's the difference between exercising and training. Today's workout is useful in that it sets us up for Wednesday. Okay? But if you if you get greedy, and greed, greed kills here. If you get greedy for what you had before and don't understand that, look, you're the guy that fucked up and took a 10-year layoff, all right? You got to pay for that. It just, you have to be patient because if you drive it too hard, you're going to hurt yourself. And hurting yourself is the last thing you want to do because that's, that interferes with training, okay? Injuries and ex excessive soreness interfere with the process. And training is a process, okay? So this is how you get back. All right, you, you, you go more conservatively than you probably want to go. But if you don't do it that way, uh, you're going to have uh, lots and lots of problems that you produced. All right, this little two-month layoff we've all had to take here is not your fault. Okay, I understand that it's not your fault. But if you come back wrong, it will be your fault. Because I'm telling you right now that the first Workout back has got to be, you've got to use some restraint on that first workout back. You can't show us how strong you should have been had you not taken the layoff. And that's going to be the tendency for ambitious people that are, that are driven enough to actually apply a training model to their workouts. You, you want the numbers. I understand that. The numbers will be there, but you have to get back to them in an intelligent fashion. Or you're going to hurt something. You're going to be too sore. You're going to hurt something. You're going to get out of position. Something's going to break. Something is going to keep you from sleeping. All this stuff that, that we know is bad for us. You can't. And I understand, <laughs> I understand your frustration. You ought to be me. You ought to be me for a day, all right? I remember coming in one Sunday afternoon, hungover from Saturday night, and doing 405 for three sets of 10. Squatting 405 for three sets of 10. And here, the pathetic pile of pink goo you see in front of you right now. I can only dream about that. I can only dream about it. You, you know, time 
steals this shit from us. But I remember what I used to be able to do physically like it was yesterday afternoon. And I get in the gym, and I'm ashamed of a 345 triple right now. It's pretty good. It's probably better than you're doing, right? But to me, that's a disappointment. But you have to accept the fact that time changes things. Now, this little two-month thing that you've had to endure here, maybe a three-month deal before it's over with, you poor bastards in Southern California and New York, hell, I don't know what the hell you're going to do. You may never get back to a gym. There may be no gyms in New York State. Uh, Our friends in San Diego have been told that gyms are closed indefinitely. Now, this changes our, our approach here, changes training, doesn't it? You didn't intend for that to happen. They didn't intend to be closed and put out of business. You didn't intend to be completely deprived of, of a, place, a place to train. You were enjoying your training. This is not your fault. But when you finally get back, whatever the circumstances under which you can get back to training, you're going to have to approach it intelligently. All right. Now, Baker has written a, an article for about this on, the, on our website. It doesn't say what I'm telling you. He's offering you ways to keep doing things during the layoff. And what I'm talking about here is what to do when you can actually resume training under the model that we have designed as the novice linear progression. Now, what if you're an intermediate lifter? And, you know, if you were squatting 405 for three sets of five, Uh, when this layoff took place, chances are that you were using weekly programming instead of workout-to-workout programming. Your approach is going to be the same as the novice. You're going to come back in, even though you were only making a five-pound PR every week, you're going to come back in at a lower number than you want to come back at, you're still going to never go over two and a quarter that first time back. For just one set of five. It'll make you sore. You'll have accomplished something. You'll be sore. Okay, but don't, don't demonstrate to you, to yourself, or to your friends and workout partners, uh, how tough you are by coming in and trying to do something that even resembles the numbers you were doing before this layoff. You're an intermediate lifter. You're going to play like you're a novice. And you're going to take novice, big novice jumps, big jumps for a novice, intermediate jumps, but on the same workout to workout increase that a novice would Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you squat three days a week and slowly work the squat up. And I say slowly by meaning, it might take three weeks to get back to your novice, to your intermediate numbers. But don't try to go right back to intermediate programming. The first time, do a modified version of the novice linear progression until the numbers are back where they were before the layoff. And if you're an advanced lifter, this is going to hurt even more. Let's say you're squatting up in the fives for sets of five. You know, 600 
squat for a single, that sort of thing. Do the same thing, okay? Be a novice for three or four weeks and get back safely back up to where you were. Just deal with the frustration. Don't be impatient, but don't come back in the first day at squat 405. That's stupid, all right? Save 405 for the fourth workout. And then the fifth workout, you'll be doing 455. Sixth workout, you'll be at 485, 495, something like that. But see, it's just a, it, the, the ramp up period is a little bit longer and the, the incline is a little bit steeper. But it's three days a week squatting, starting at two and a quarter and ramp back up to your advanced numbers and your advanced programming. Now, for those of you advanced lifters, you'll be doing intermediate programming for two or three weeks where you're PRing once a week. And if you're an advanced lifter, you know how to do this. You know how to do this. Uh, you've probably done it before. But apply the principles of the novice progression at first in your reapproach to your advanced training. After the novice principles have been applied, reapply the intermediate principles where you're making weekly progress. And then finally, you'll be back to your advanced monthly type programming. But don't start there, okay? I think everybody understands what I'm trying to say. Have I been clear, Nick? You want to add anything to this? No. Uh, yeah. Well, one thing, uh, a lot of you intermediate guys might find that you end up further along than the first time. Coming yeah, out, you, out of you, you might. That's a, a good point. That's a good point because of this, you know, that, that might argue for a novice approach reset every once in a while for intermediate training. Usually happens might, on its own, right? Might, might bleed a little bit. Yeah, an injury or something like that will force you to redo that. Some of you advanced guys certainly might find that you're stronger at the end of – four months after a layoff like that, not because of the layoff, but because of the the incremental every workout approach to these exercises that you'd only been doing once a week and only been trying to PR once a month. Okay, you'll have an opportunity to learn some stuff here about your training if you pay close attention and take good notes. Now, this is a real good time to add to your notes the things that you are experiencing during this reapproach to your previous PRs. Okay, take copious notes. Don't just write down the numbers. Write down your impression of the workout. Add as much data to your notes as you can during this little process, and you will learn some things during the during during the reapproach to your previous PRs. Uh, what else? Uh, what else we need to talk about homosexuals behind the cameras? What do you homosexuals want to add? I mean, it seems simple, but this is the same. Everybody's asking the question, what do I do when I get back? And that's really it, you know? Yeah. If you, uh, yeah, I think that the, you know, the principles are, this is the principle. The principle is you, you've laid off. You want to get back to training. How do you get back to training? You recapitulate the novice progression with a steeper slope. And that's just 
that that's the basis of the whole thing. For those of you that have fallen in love with uh, AMRAP stuff during uh, during this layoff, you know, 100 air squats and kettlebell swings and all this exercise type shit, uh, you're going to have a little bit rougher time than than people who have than people who have uh, approached this layoff with the uh, learning to appreciate bourbon <laughs> approach. I think. <laughs> oh man, there's not any better way to get your squat way way down than do a whole bunch of air squats. You're you won't be as strong as the guy that just drank. I know that you know. I, you don't want to hear that, I know, and I, you know, feel immoral telling you that, but that's that's really the case. It's not that the drinking was good; it's that high intensity glycolytic work is directly antagonistic to force production, and it's a completely different adaptation. And you're about to find that out. Okay, so just as a as a as a wrap up to this discussion. Keep in mind the general principles here. We're going to start where we are right now, and we're going to incrementally increase each workout and drive a strength increase. We're going to force ourselves to have to get stronger by adding five pounds to the bar. That's how the process works from day one. Now, if we're on day 120 and you've got to take a layoff, the same principles apply but the slope of the increase is not five pounds per workout. It might be 20, 25, 30 pounds per workout until you're back to where you were before the layoff. Now, you, you know, any, any of you guys that have been training long enough to have gotten your squat up to 365 understand exactly what I'm talking about. All right. My, my message to you is resist the temptation to come back in on day one and murder yourself. I understand you're frustrated. Don't let it get the better of your brain. Okay? Ramp back up slowly. Get back to where your training was before it was stolen from you. And if you do this correctly, you'll, you'll be better on the other side of this damn thing. I promise you. But the biggest mistake you can do is yield to the frustration. Leave some on the bar every workout for a couple of weeks until you're back where you're having to push real hard for a new PR. If you do it like that, everything will work out better. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about, you homosexuals behind the cameras over there? Not unless you want to talk about butt sex or something. Nah, I'm not interested in that. We all are as familiar with anal sex as we want to be. <laughs> if you're not interested in it at all, you're not familiar with it. If you are interested in it, I don't have anything to add, right? So let's just leave it at that. All right. Thanks for being here on Starting Strength Radio. We will see you next Friday. And until then, you be good boys and girls. Stay under the kitchen table. Wear your mask.